You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and Chris, we're back at the Paracast, back at the old stand, or the new stand, depending on which stand you want. Last week, we had a fascinating show with Stan Gordon, Pennsylvania UFO and paranormal investigator. And we made it very clear that it's not just the old sightings that are important, compelling, very detailed, very fascinating UFO cases still occur to this very day. It's not just all about the stuff that happened 65 years ago. And then we had someone in the Paracast forums at forum.theparacast.com, and that particular member was complaining that we emphasize too much about the older cases. In my response, I said, well, we had a couple of shows on Stephenville, Texas. We did O'Hare. We've covered recent cases. But this raises a larger question, Chris O'Brien. That is, why are we so hung up on the stuff that happened all those years ago? Well, obviously, the more compelling cases out there, Bent Waters, Roswell, Socorro, these cases, um, you know, are, are very sensational and I think, um, you know, when you have a sensational case like the Phoenix Lights or a case that's seen by, you know, a number of witnesses, a group of people or large groups of people, obviously they're going to garner more attention and people are going to be fascinated by them. Uh, not only people that are involved in the field and in the research community, but uh, just the general public is going to get involved and it, it starts a snowball of interest going down the hill. We have cases that are being reported daily around the world, and there are many good ones, too, uh, that are being reported in other countries. I think we need to have more people that are willing to do the the hard work of going out, interviewing witnesses, and actually doing the investigative work in the field to pull out more witnesses, to to do the kind of legwork that needs to be done to properly document these, these events. And I think old cases, you know, they gather steam uh, as time goes by. More and more people are aware of them. Of course, the big smelly R word is the the granddaddy of them all, Roswell. I applaud uh, Kevin Randall's uh, new effort that he started uh, a year or so ago, uh, putting together a team of crack researchers and uh, investigators, and just starting from scratch with the Roswell case and uh, and treating it like a cold case, and then attempting to reinvestigate the case uh, with a fresh pair of glasses. I think this is probably the best approach I've heard in years relating to Roswell, and I I wish them all the luck. I don't know how the heck they're going to actually put aside all their preconceptions and all the, you know, the amazing amount of knowledge that they already have about the case. But, uh, you know, I I do applaud the, the idea. I think it's a good one, and we'll just have to wait and see. Would be very interesting here if they are able to consider some of these alternative viewpoints, and not just balloons, test balloons but test aircraft yeah because i think that's a very compelling option for a lot of those early ufo cases yeah i I agree we had joseph farrell on the show a number of weeks back and and his contention that there's a very tantalizing body of evidence that may suggest that roswell and other early cases from the mid to, to late 40s could have been actually nazi technology from south america or from some places south of the border here that uh were smuggled out of Germany and perfected and made operational and were possibly responsible for some of the early waves of uh, activity that we saw from 47 to 53. So, you know, there we need to look at uh, all closed system possibilities before we jump off planet. I really do have a sense that, uh, 
you know, even though it's very romantic to think that we're important enough for aliens to come and visit, uh, I have a, a bit of a problem with that scenario, and as many of our listeners and forum posters already know. And uh, I think it's important that we exhaust all terrestrial possibilities before we jump off planet. I think one of the things that we really have to consider here is the fact that such a large number of those early cases that we continue, unfortunately, to put into the category of either unexplained natural phenomena or spaceships, and we can't look at the test aircraft scenario, especially considering back in the late 40s after World War II, we bring on board all those German scientists who were pioneers in our space program and the V-2 rocket and all that stuff, and we seldom consider, hey, wait a minute, folks. What about this test aircraft? We wouldn't revealed what it was all about. Right. I, I love the uh, recent uh, revelation of our secret flying saucer program that was actually Canadian, I think, at the Avro uh, saucer that <laughs> the the silly footage that that they have of this thing wobbling two feet off the ground and and they finally declassified the documents about this flying saucer project. I mean, talk about you know kind of thinking that uh, the research community is uh, dead between the ears. I mean that that to me is is um, quite disingenuous uh, and I, I really do have a sense that the state of the art in in exotic uh, propulsion and, and technology is well, light years ahead of where the government and the uh, military and, and aerospace companies are admitting. So I, I do think that's a fruitful potential avenue of, of research and uh, go, to, go a long way to explain a lot. Well, of course, I guess sequestration, this new budget-cutting thing that's taking effect a few days after the show is aired, in the U.S., where there will be severe military cutbacks, will that cut back top-secret research? No. They'll always find ways to steal money from other projects. Yeah, that's that's for sure. You know that the uh, black budget's going to be uh, going to be alive and well. You know, it's interesting. We do spend as much money. I think I've, I've recently seen uh, the figure that we spend as much money on on the military and defense as the rest of the world combined. If that's true. I think we have our priorities a little bit bass backwards. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah. but the figure I heard was the next 10 countries combined. So therefore, Russia, China, and all these other countries, if you took the next 10 after the U.S. and took their military budgets, combined them, we spend more still. By the way, we have a special event where you'll be able to find us if you're lucky. Yeah, The International UFO Congress comes to Arizona at the end of the month, yep. and we're going to be present and accounted for, but some fascinating things are going to happen. Yeah, one of the, one of the people that, uh, or actually two people that we'd like to, to see if we can get on the air from the Congress is uh, the, the Navajo Rangers. Um, I've had this the is not the Lone of, Rangers. This is the Navajo Rangers. The Navajo Rangers, exactly. They're okay, uh, Navajo law enforcement investigators uh, who have recently come out and started talking about some of the high strange cases that they've been investigating uh, on the Navajo Reservation over the years. These include, obviously, UFO sightings, uh, Bigfoot sightings, uh, reports of skinwalkers um, and other and crypto creatures. Um, these guys uh, are very have some very interesting information that they're starting to share with the outside world, um, outside of the native uh, reservation uh, population there. And and they're going to be down at the UFO Congress. We'd love to get them uh, on the show, and um, which 
kind of dovetails nicely into uh, our guest today, um, Artie uh, Six Killer Clark, who uh, has just released a book on on anomalous books uh, that's has a bunch of really fascinating stories in it, um, and we're going to be going through some of these accounts with her and and finding out a little bit more about her background and uh, and asking some tough questions. I'll tell you something. I was looking over our forums at forum.theparacast.com under Question Bank, and we have a whole area there under the title Encounters with Star People, Questions for Artie Six Killer Clark. And there are lots of questions, and pretty tough questions, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's a book that doesn't have a single person uh, listed as a on-the-record witness. So we're going to have to kind of do a little bit of digging here to find out, uh, uh, you know, just kind of kind of dig around a little bit on some of these accounts. Some of them are pretty fantastic. So this is going to be interesting. Of course, they all feature reports that come from Native Americans. Uh, many of them are on Native American reservations, these events. And she's uh, done quite a bit of legwork over the years, compiling a lot of these stories. But then there's stories. Uh, so we're going to have to find out what her thinking is about uh, these accounts and why she chose to uh, use the approach that she did. Her name, Artie Six Killer Clark, joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. Thank <laughs> you. 
Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes, revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeant e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption, of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Welcome back to the Paracast uh, with Gene and Chris. And today we have a real special guest who I'm really uh, looking forward to speaking with. And uh, Artie uh, Sixkiller Clark is here. And we're going to be discussing Native American star people traditions and a whole slew of reports that she's published in her recent book uh, on anomalous books. And we're going to be talking about uh, how difficult it is, number one, to investigate this particular realm, and especially on, on Native American reservations or Indian reservations. Uh, that term... Native American versus Indian. You mentioned at the at the front of your book that there's um, that you've decided to use the term Indian. Uh, you want to explain your thinking a little bit on that because uh, I guess you know prior to recording the show here, we were talking about this. Why don't you uh, fill our audience in a little bit? Well, you know, over the years, when you've been in a group of people and you describe yourself as a Native American. We always have people say, well, I'm a Native American, too, because I was born here. And a few years ago, a group of American Indian researchers came together and decided that in our writing, our research, we would refer to tribal groups in general as American Indians rather than American Indians. And we made that decision based upon the fact that Native American uh, the term Native American was increasingly claimed by those who were born within the United States, regardless of their ethnicity. And one of the, you know the most well-known Lakota journalist and publisher, Tim Gallego, you know he published the Lakota Times, Indian Country Today, Native Sun News. 
I quote him in the book as saying that, you know, we realize that Indian is a misnomer, but for generic purposes, we are forced to use it when speaking of many different tribes. And he said, any politically correct thinker who believes Native American is the preferred identification tag for Lakota or any other tribe is wrong. Most of us do not object to the use of Indian or American Indian. And as I said, Native Americans can be used by any American Native to this land. And so that's why so many of us who are researchers and writers have chosen to use American Indian. And I was frankly surprised at the angry response I got from people because I explained that in the book why I was doing it. And it's been a standard for a number of years with uh, Native writers to do just that, is, is, to use the term American Indian instead of Native American. Hence the uh, subtitle of your book. The book is called Encounters with Star People, Untold Stories of American Indians. Um, so, right. so right up front, you're, you're making that, uh, that declaration. Now, Clifford Mahoudi is a Zuni elder friend of mine, and he uses the term Indian um, very um, nonchalantly and, and considers it uh, politically correct. So that's, uh, it, it's a good point. I, I'm a Native American. I was born here. So, <laughs> you know, if you really well, look at that, the term. And the majority of, of my uh, Native friends call themselves Indians. I mean, you know, I call myself an Indian. So, you know, I, I but I, I'm, I'm not sure why I generated so much anger, you know, among some people, but thank you for giving me the opportunity to explain that. Uh, it is in the book, but apparently a lot of people aren't reading that. Yeah, you can't judge a book by its cover, uh, and if you use the term American Indians, that's a, th- that can, I guess, uh, tweak certain people's uh, politically correct uh, sort of view on on indigenous American uh, culture or um, or Indian culture, and I think right. the term obviously is is was as- ascribed to uh, Native peoples when the Europeans first arrived because they were looking for uh, the Spice Islands and they were they thought that they had arrived in in, in Asia. When I speak too, I use Native and Indian interchangeably. You know, I mean, I just do that. You know, out of just um, the way I was raised, you know, but uh, and my friends. But um, for a book, I wanted to make that distinction, and and that's why I did it. Okay, well, let's let's move on now that we've kind of got okay. our terms uh, our terms sort of defined here a little bit, and we understand why you've uh, chosen this particular term, and it's important to make the distinction. Why don't, why don't you give us a little background about yourself? Um, your education, where you went to school. Um, of course, you, you were a professor emeritus at uh, Montana State University. Give us a, a sense of your background. Uh, what is your doctorate in? My doctorate is in educational leadership. And I was a director of the Center for Bilingual Multicultural Education and a professor of educational leadership at Montana State University. But my background also, I have degrees in psychology, history, and English. So, you know, through the years, I've played many roles in, in education because I've been a, uh, a high school English teacher, I've been an administrator, I've been a psychologist, and when I came to MSU, I um, became a, 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 a professor of educational leadership. And um, 
and the director of the Center for Bilingual Multicultural Education. And my role there was was not only to write grants to get funding for Native programs, but to go out into the field and to recruit Native students to come to Montana State University and to study uh, to become teachers, principals, or superintendents because back when I first came to Montana State University, you could hardly find um, an American Indian teacher on any of the reservations. And if you did, it was only one or two. So our goal was to is to help Native people become teachers. And by doing that, I wrote federal grants to get money for scholarships so they could afford to come to school. And so that's the reason why I was off campus, out, you know, recruiting students, and that, that's where I heard many of these stories. Yeah, and we're going to get to those stories, uh, obviously, here uh, in depth. One of the things I, I think we should point out is that uh, American Indian, the educational system, was completely appropriated by the United States government, and uh, students were taken uh, and put into Indian schools for decades, and uh, in many run cases, run by the Catholic Church for most part. Well, yes, run by the church and by the government, and and, and by the one BIA, of the, right? Well, one thing people should understand is uh, many of these programs gave a rather skewed, uh, propagandized, uh, for lack of a better term, history of of the culture that uh, these well, these kids were coming from. One of our goals at Montana State University was was to try to get teachers and leaders into the school system who were American Indian so that that the children would have role models, that somebody looked like them had gone to college and had succeeded. And, and we succeeded in doing that. I mean, uh, over the years I spent at Montana State University, I had over, uh, I would say, at least 500 students uh, get bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees through scholarship funding that I was able to obtain through grant writing um, from the federal government. And it must be fun these days, and I'm saying that sarcastically, to get anything from the federal government, what with all the cutbacks, and we were mentioning that earlier. We've got to do this break right now, Artie. We have Dr. Artie Sixkiller-Clark. Joining Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hey, neighbors, got a small business or a large company that needs to be online 24 7? Well, here's the little secret. To make sure your site is always online, you need world-class DNS service from Dyne. That's D-Y-N. For years, Dyne has been helping companies ranging from the scrappy young startup to the giant media moguls of the world with making sure websites are fast and always available and that your emails are getting delivered. D-Y-N. Get faster internet. By using Dine for DNS, visit dine.com slash podcast30. Fill out the contact form or start shopping right away and save 30% by using the promo code podcast30 at checkout. Again, visit dine.com, that's dyn.com slash 
podcast 30. Check them out today. Are you always five minutes late? Maybe you're only late when you don't want to be somewhere. Then you realize you're always five minutes late. For work, you set three alarms, drag your feet in the shower, drink your coffee slowly until you're rushing out the door. Five minutes late. It's not that you hate your job. Hate is such a strong word. You're just not that excited about it. But most people don't love what they do, right? Listen, if you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable, and a whiz on the phone, you might want to join one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world, GCN. Because right now, we are hiring, and we offer benefits. Experience preferred, but we'll train the right person. Is that you? Submit your resume today to advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. Come work with the Genesis Communications Network, where you'll want to be five minutes early every day. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's tax. TaxHelpOnline.com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. We have Artie Six Killer Clark joining Jean and Chris on the Paracast. Her latest title for Anomalous Books is Encounters with Star People, subtitled Untold Stories of American Indians. And there's so much ground to cover that Chris and I want to get into it, getting past this thing. But I raised the political question already before we did the break, and that is about getting grants in this day and age where it seems the government is hostile to education. How do you survive? 
Well, of course, I've been retired now for six years, so, you know, I'm not out there in that arena competing for those federal dollars. I'm, I'm not sure if there are any programs today that, that, you know, that are available. I know that there are a few, but probably not to the extent they were available when I was in working in the field. Because I would, you know, there were times that I had as many as a hundred students that were on scholarship going to to Montana State. And one of the interesting things would be, I had a at one point I had a I had a scholarship program for secondary teachers for math and science. And I went out and recruited because we didn't have any math and science teachers uh, on the reservations who were native. And I went out recruiting students. And I got some excellent students, and out of the group, 60% of them left the teaching field when they discovered they could make it in math and science at a university level, and they became engineers and scientists and did all sorts of things because they realized that there was a whole world out there where they could use the skills they had, and it never... So we lost some great teachers there, but at least... They are out there working in the field. Let's move to the book. Now, how did you come to begin to explore so-called mysteries involving star people? Why take these stories seriously as something more than folklore? Well, you know, my first encounter when I came to Montana State University with this subject was I had been out on a recruiting trip, and... The gentleman who helped me um, on his reservation, after the, the I met with a group of students, and, and he and I had dinner, and he said to me, he said, you know, if you've got some time, I'd like to show you something. I'd like. And so he took me up in the mountains above his village, and we sat on a rock, and he pulled out a binoculars, and he says, if we're lucky, they'll come. And I said, who? And he said, well the star people, the ancestors. And I sat there and listened, and we watched, and, and they didn't come. But he said that he frequently came to the site uh, and watched the skies and waited for them to come. And so it occurred to me that if if this was um, something that, that this tribal group believed, Perhaps there were others. So I came back to the university, and I was talking to another uh, um, a native faculty member, and he said, well, yes. He said, we have many stories about the stars and the star people visiting us in ancient times. And so he started telling me the old legends. So I thought, well, you know, as I traveled around and I would have free time, I would simply ask people, do you know any USO stories, or do you know of anyone who's had experiences? And people started opening up. And over the years, you know, people got to know me really well and came forth and started telling me stories that had happened to them. As far as, as, far as authenticity or truthfulness, um, I never doubted the stories that I was told. Um, I don't know. I... I I believe that I can tell the difference between somebody who's sincere and somebody who's lying. Um, I have a pretty good read on people. And I walked with these people, and I talked with these people, and I believe their stories. 
Okay, and that, of course, raises the big quandary here is how do we take these stories and find any evidence for them, or is it possible, or is all the evidence based on the testimony? I think the evidence is based on their testimony because I made a commitment to them when they told me the stories that I would not reveal where it happened or who they were. And I have tried to be very careful about that because none of them were seeking fame. None of them wanted money. None of them um, wanted people coming to their reservation and looking for proof because they just didn't want that to happen. And I respected that. I wrote the stories as they told me. And I know, you know, I'm a social scientist. I listen to stories and to people, and I record what they tell me. I'm not a hard scientist that has to have, um, you know, physical evidence. And so that's that's, um, uh, the only explanation I can give you. I believe the people. Let's look at some of the stories here because there's some fascinating tales. And so many of them remind us of things that are common in the UFO field. And I'm considering, for example, chapter one of your book. The title is Missing Time, which, of course, is something that is generally considered to relate to UFO abductions. So in writing a chapter on missing time, is that what you were talking about? Well, yes. I mean, that's exactly what happened to this couple is that they lost time and not remembering anything that had happened to them. They came upon, if you'll recall, they came upon a a place where there was cattle mutilation. And the man, being a police officer, gets out to investigate and then finds no evidence that it was the act of vandals or rustlers or thieves. Instead, he finds very meticulous, uh, like, surgery or operations on these animals. He finds no footprints, no evidence. It was The animals were in relatively tall grass around them, no place where the, where the grass had been um, disturbed other than where these animals were. And so he gets back in his car, and that's when they, he and his wife see the UFO. And then they lose time when they, and don't realize it until they get to their destination. They, they drive to their destination and suddenly discover that they have lost several hours of time. Now, without um, going into details that you can't reveal because of the promise not to identify these people, can you give us an approximation of when it happened and where? Well, I'll tell you, it happened in Montana, and it happened, um, I would say, within five years. Okay. So it's a recent case. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Now, as far as the missing time is concerned, has anything been done to recover the memories that you can tell us about our listeners? No. No. Nothing. And, And the people I talked to weren't interested in that. Because they, for most of the of of the uh, of the encounters, most of the people had a had a clear perception of what happened. This couple knew what happened; they just didn't know what happened during that period of time when they 
um, could, you know, that was missing. They were fully aware of seeing the mutilated cattle. They were, and, and the interesting thing of it was that when they, when they got ready to, to, um, um, the, the cattle became missing again. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, these individuals aren't interested in submitting to a psychologist and, and, or, you know, some kind of regression or whatever. We have Artie Six Killer Clark joining us this week. And she has a fascinating book called Encounters with Star People. And this is not stuff that happened necessarily 2,000 years ago, but very recently, some of the stuff. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. We travel so much, and having a fake TV, well, it gives added peace of mind. Burglars look for houses that appear to be easy targets, but fake TV can fool even professional burglars into thinking someone is home watching television. As a recent widow living alone, it gives me great peace of mind to set my fake TV near a window and know that passing motorists and pedestrians will think someone is home watching TV when I'm actually away from home. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet, just like a light on a timer. And they're so easy to use, you just plug them in and they're ready to go. Plus, they're so affordable that we have one upstairs and downstairs. Fake TV is only $34.95. Order your fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV. The Burglar Deterrent. Now there's an amazing new natural antibiotic every person must have. It's Cells Alive Silver Solution, and it destroys over 650 hard-to-kill viruses, fungus, bacteria, and much more. Cells Alive Silver Solution has no expiration date, is great for emergency kits and storage shelters, and comes in 8 or 16-ounce bottles. Order today at 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org. HempUSA.org, 100% chemical-free superfoods and unique health products. We the people 
grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. You've come to expect winter specials from Herbal Healer Academy, and we're not going to let you down. Battle through cold and flu season with powerful, natural, and safe flu fighters. Antivirals like olive leaf extract capsules and elderberry power. Vitamin D3, 180 caps, only $9. Beta-glucans and an incredible immune system booster. Our own four-herb tea capsules and Respa 8, all specially priced during the winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Also exclusive homeopathic detoxes for lungs, kidneys, liver, whole body, and lymph are on sale. Herbal Healer Academy offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and save big now when you hit the winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time since 1988. Celebrating 25 years in service to the natural health care industry. This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. On the Paracast, we have Artie Sixkiller Clark. We're talking about the star people, but just encounters of a long time ago, but encounters that are quite recent and quite relevant to UFO research. Now, these people, are you able to tell us roughly what line of business they're in or anything about their background, or you'd rather not? You mean the individuals who I interviewed? You mean the individuals with missing time? Yes. One was a police officer, and the other one was a teacher. Okay. Regular people. Oh, very reputable people, right. Regular and reputable. Right. And they're not looking for publicity, which is very important. They're not looking to sell a story. They're not looking to go before the International UFO Congress and do a series of lectures. No, not at all. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of scratching my head here, uh, you know, thinking about the the discovery of a, you know, what appears to be a mutilated um, head of livestock. And then in the same sort of event, uh, they see what they perceived as some sort of unidentified flying object. Did you get more descriptions of, of the object from them? Did, did it maneuver? How close did it get to them? Uh, are there any more details that we have about this particular sighting? You know, they talked about about seeing the craft, but it was so, such a bright light um, hovering over them that they had no, um, they, they were unable to describe it because I asked them that. And, and um, they, she discovers that her cell phone isn't working because she's trying to call her brother because their vehicle won't start. They're trying to get out of there, and their vehicle won't start. So she's trying to call her brother because she thinks, you know, if I can get a hold of him, he's just going to drive out here and get us out of this, get us out of here. And then that's the last thing they remember, you know. And and um, so essentially, oh. what they're what they're describing is a bright light. We don't really know if it's some sort of um, uh, what appears to be some sort of, uh, you know extraterrestrial ship or something it could have been 
possibly a silent helicopter uh, pulsing down some sort of uh, electromagnetic uh, beam to uh, maybe render the engine uh, ignition uh, inert or something. So they, they really they don't have any recollection of any details of the actual object that was shining this bright light on them. Is that correct? That is correct. But on the other hand, uh, how many times have you heard of helicopters mutilating cattle? Uh, know, I've, hundreds, I've, hundreds of times they've been sighted, and 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 um, that's the story I reported. Yeah, there's um, we have over 300 cases of helicopters being sighted in and around mutilation sites since uh, the early 70s. The father of mutology, if you want to, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want that term applied to me, but. Tom Adams, who's been investigating uh, or who investigated these cases from 1970 uh, to, ni- to 2000, compiled 250 reports of, of helicopter sightings in and around mutilation sites. And since then, there's been, you know, the book ended uh, in the late 80s. And, and during the 90s, we had a whole slew of other uh, reports that were filed. So helicopters have been seen in conjunction with these uh, with these cases not directly involved except for a couple of rare cases where um, animals were seen slung underneath helicopters uh, being ferried uh, somewhere. Uh, we've also had evidence of, of uh, skid marks from, uh, from helicopters setting down in fields uh, where cattle have been discovered uh, in a mutilated condition. Um, we've also had uh, the type of downdraft uh, evidence, uh, flipped over cow pies, uh, you know, uh, grass and, and other uh, plants uh, flattened from uh, from wind so it's it's interesting this guy was a was a law enforcement official so you would think that he would be a, you know being a trained observer that he would be uh fairly accurate in his uh you know his what if uh sort of scenarios so you know well at the I, same time you know um as you can see, I'm not very well versed in ufology because I did, I wasn't aware of that, and and it probably he wasn't either uh, because he assumed that it was a UFO, um, and um, so that's the only answer I can give you. Yeah, in the mid seventies no, in Cascade County, I wasn't. My approach was not to argue with these people not to doubt these people to record their stories. That's what I did. Let me ask you a question, though. In talking to these people, did you ever get the impression that some of them, maybe a very few, were just telling stories and not relating actual encounters of one sort or another? Not the group that were in the the book. So that's saying that some didn't make it to the book for another reason. Well, I interviewed over 900 people, and, I mean, I have interviews of over 900 people, um, and some of them, um, the stories were just typical. You know, I saw this UFO in the sky, and it, you know, and it zipped across, and it did this, and it did that, and and those were not, but, um, and, you know, it, it I don't know if they were, if it was something they saw or not, but it didn't merit going into the book. But what about people who told you a story and you wondered, you know what, maybe this wasn't what they thought it was, or they're telling me a story? 
I never thought anybody was telling me a story. Okay. Just wanted to check into that. Yeah. Never thought that way. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm curious as to uh, where did the majority of these stories originate? Which particular part of the country? I know you traveled extensively uh, through the through the time period where you were compiling uh, all these interviews and stories, did you see any sort of correlation between location, uh, between a particular reservation or part of the country? Uh, was there was there was it was it pretty evenly distributed in terms of these accounts, or did did you see uh, centers of activity or hotspot areas? I'm trying to think. I don't believe so. I, I, uh, because I did, I traveled all over the country. Um, there, I saw more in the West. Um, more stories came out of the West, but of course I live in the West and frequented the Western reservations more. Um, the more isolated a reservation was, the more likely there were stories. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, so, so the more remote uh, locations right. tended to generate more of these. the more, more remote these... the individuals and remote sections they lived in. Um, you know, you go to Montana and South Dakota and North Dakota and some of the states out, out here in the West and the, even Arizona, um, you're talking about reservations that are um, that are so isolated and uh, so remote, especially some of the people who live there, that, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, um, you could understand why these encounters would happen in places like that. Yeah, 60 miles to the nearest uh, uh, grocery store or or convenient mart. (laughs) Well, and if you could find a convenient mart on a reservation, you know, it's, it's, um, some of the, you know, the reservations are are in in remote sections of the states anyway. I mean, they're not in the areas where there's lots of people because the government didn't didn't uh, place uh, Indian reservations in, on desirable land. They replaced them in remote areas um, away from population centers, yeah. and so the the areas that I visited, many of them are very remote. And many of them I had to drive for miles, and, you know, when I'd hear somebody had a story to tell. And sometimes I would come upon a story that I wasn't even expecting. Yeah, oftentimes those are the best ones, I found. I know. Yep, the ones that just happen, happen along, uh, you know, some maybe a neighbor's there, and you're interviewing one person, and the neighbor goes, wow, you think that's cool, wait till you, wait till you hear this one. <laughs> I've had well, that happen Leland a number of times. Well, was an example of that. Uh, I went there to buy a drum, and then he begins to tell me the story about this this craft that hovers over his property and lowers an automobile with these people that look like humans, but he doesn't believe they are humans, and he thinks that, you know, and then his story was later corroborated by, by um, a friend of his. That had seen the same thing happen on the property. I'm going to ask you, by the way, just silly question. When we get back after our break, what kind of automobile or automobiles were dropped? (laughs) 
We have Hardy Six Killer Clark joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now... Here's Gene Steinberg. Fascinating stories about encounters with star people with Artie Six Killer Clark. Dr. Clark, that's a silly question I asked. A car being dropped with people or beings in them, what kind of cars? Well, he said they were big black cars. And you'd have to know Leland. Leland didn't own a car. He didn't know much about cars. He never really left his little cabin, his little home place there. Um, and so he just said they were big black cars. Yeah, I, I, I find this particular account one of the more compelling stories uh, in the book. Why don't you give us a, a quick thumbnail sketch of uh, some of the other details of this, uh, where the, the automobile was let down. And I think he took you out there, and you actually saw the tracks that I these saw, things... I saw the right the circle right. um on the ground and and where nothing was growing uh and i saw the tire tracks uh through his field and he didn't own a car there were no cars around and he said that um that one time 
um, as they were going through the field, they had a flat tire. And the driver... I love that detail. And he had to go out uh, and fix it for him. He went out and fixed the tire. <laughs> and I asked him to describe the man or the being. And he said, well, he couldn't really tell much about him because it was dark. And he had this hat and collar pulled up. But he said he looked like he had no neck. And... I found that extremely interesting, you know, and and then he he goes on and tells me how he had to get the people out of the or the beans out of the car so he could jack it up and after he finished they gave him 10 silver dollars. And and so he took the he took ten, took these silver dollars and he he um he said I caught a ride he said, "Over the over the state line." He said, "I took them and I, I, I found a place and I said, how much will you give me for these?'" And he said, "I sold nine of them, but I kept one.'" And he reached in his pocket and he pulled it out and he handed it to me. And I, I have that silver dollar, by the way. That, what, that how he, old uh, was it? It was in the ni- early 1900s, like 1923, uh, I think it is. So it was an old, old silver dollar. And did it, it look old- uh, tarnished and look used? Was it worn? Oh, yeah, is it, it worn? did. Yeah, it's worn. And uh, and that, that was his pride and joy. But he kept saying, I wish they would come back so I could and have another flat tire. Maybe I could make some more money. <laughs> yeah, the, the other detail that I found curious too was the people in the backseat uh, seemed to be afraid of him, and they and they they kind yes. of huddled away. And if he would get near, right. they'd move away from him. Right, and he said he talked about the women. He said they acted like they didn't know how to walk in those shoes, um, and I, I thought that was interesting too. So, uh, well, the inference here is that we have aliens walking around among us, uh, if that's what indeed they were, if we can take this story at face value. What, what was his thinking about this? How many times did this occur, and, and what time period are we talking about? Well, he died, um, I spent about eight years now. So he said that it had been occurring for several years, that he had been seeing this happen. So, and 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 they believed he and his buddy believed that that's what was happening. That literally uh, aliens were infiltrating the earth. And he he says, "I'm I want you to make sure you tell this story." Yeah, some of our skeptics uh, at forum.theparacast.com are really going to have a problem with this particular account of some sort of craft. Uh, depositing uh, automobiles with uh, human-looking, uh, short-necked uh, <laughs> aliens uh, you know, driving I, off I, in, I, in black automobiles. I mean, uh, you know, I, I have heard stranger stories uh, over the years, but, but this one would, would definitely rate up there as one of the stranger accounts. It's almost like we have men and ladies in black uh, that are being deposited in uh, remote locations on, on an Indian reservation to be infiltrated into the culture. It's, it's, it's difficult for, I think, some people to suspend their disbelief to the extent uh, to actually to accept this story at face value. But how well did you know Leland? Well, I got to know him very well over, over the time um, that, that I first met him. Um, I, every time I would go 
to the reservation, I would go see him and spend time with him and uh, cook his dinner and and take him some groceries. But, you know, um, I heard another story that was, it wasn't like Leland's, but I was, um, I was in Alaska, and um, I had told some people in this um, community that was basically a, um, uh, a Native community that, um, um, well, not, I think it was more like uh, 80% Native and 20% non-Native. And I had mentioned this. I went out to to um, lunch with some people in the school district, and I mentioned it to um, some of them what I was doing. And this woman said, well, are you interested in stories from a white person? And I said, I'm always interested in stories. And she told me a story about being on a trip one night. She said, "We, my friend and I came around the bend, and there was an automobile that was half stuck inside this hill. And she described the the uh, the, the highway as one where it had been cut through, you know, uh, mountainous roads, and this cliff." just zoomed up over the highway, and here was this vehicle that was half sticking out of of this mountain. And she said, we just could not believe this. And she said, so we went down the road. The first place we could find, we turned around, and then she described this craft that she saw. And she said, when we made it back to the location where this vehicle was stuck inside this mountain, she said it was gone. It had just disappeared. And she said, now that's a true story. And I don't doubt her because, you know, she had no reason to tell me a big tale. She was obviously very concerned about about um, uh, about this event. And she was convinced that that car had mistakenly been put there by UFO. Wow. And that by the time they got turned around and got back to where it was, the car had been removed. So, you know, I don't know if it's that outlandish or not. You know, I mean, those are two incidents that you wouldn't expect to happen, you know. But she said... And she said, and I can introduce you to my friend who who would tell you the same story. So, you know, maybe people will be skeptical, but those are two stories that I heard involving cars and UFOs. Wow, that's that's amazing. Uh, I mean, out of all these 900 stories uh, and accounts that you collected, did anyone ever show you any photographs? Or we, we have the physical evidence that you... Uh, apparently saw it, uh, with Leland's uh, claim, but did you ever have any other sort of physical evidence or photographs or recordings or anything to substantiate and help uh, bolster a person's account? The only, uh, the, the one thing I remember was the gun of the police officer that had been melted. Um, I saw it. Um, uh, I've been criticized because I didn't take photographs of it, but, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't my intent. Um, I didn't want to make people uncomfortable with cameras and running around the reservation like some 
obsessed person with UFOs. I mean, in order to get these stories, you have to have a certain amount of respect. You have to have a certain amount of people have to trust you. Yeah. Oh, boy. I know about that. Before we get into any further issues regarding trust, and we certainly trust Chris O'Brien. And we're finding a lot of trust in what Artie Six Killer Clark has to tell us. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. 
So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables, and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris, we have Artie Sixkiller Clark talking about encounters with star people but one thing i want to ask you here we assume these strange beings are star people is that therefore saying that oh it's et are we assuming it's et without any necessarily any evidence of that well i think i i would assume that if et is a proper definition that they would be one and the same right the one thing that was made clear to me uh, uh, several times was that there were there were different visitors coming to this planet um and they were um and there was a an agreement that they would not interfere uh there was a non interference um policy of such and that there were lawbreakers there were people that did interfere and they were highly frowned upon by other um other societies in the universe um and i was told that um several times by people um that one of the reasons why we don't have a lot of interaction with star beings is that there's an understanding in the universe that that cultures are to be left alone um, but, but don't you some, think the mere presence of so-called alien craft, UFO abductions, things like that, that's interference? Yeah. Well, and and I think you could interpret it that way. But I don't think that a lot of the uh, UFOs that you see, they, that are you are intended to see them. I think that's why you, you have these stories. Uh, these events, encounters occurring in remote areas. Right, accidental encounters, basically, is what, accidental, what you're... Accidental, right. Well, well this... Uh... Uh, because they're not looking. Now, you're, they're not looking for that interaction. And it seems like there are some, from what I was told by some of, some of my um, uh, interviewees, that, that there are those that break that law. And well, I that that that, that leads me to a question. People, pardon. We have a, a bunch of questions from uh, Paracast listeners that they they post on our forum, and okay. Aldo Poe 
um, has been a is one of our newcomers to the uh, to the forum, and he asked that very very question: Are the, are star people all from one race, or are there many different races visiting us? And and basically, I th- what I'm hearing you say is we're we're dealing with various. Uh, uh, races or entities, uh, types of entities that are visiting us, and and that oftentimes uh, these these events or encounters are, are accidental. They're not really uh, uh, intentional. Here's another couple of questions that I think along these same okay. lines. Um, uh, Conrad Hartman's been a, um, a a very active poster at forum.theparacast.com for for the past year, and he asks a uh, he's real excited that you're going to be on on the show and asks uh, a number of questions. One of them is, are there significant differences between tribes in the way they deal with UFOs and related phenomenon? Do you see correlations of how uh, uh, Indians? Try you know in terms of Indian tribes deal with this type of thing. Do you see correlations, or 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 is is each tribe different the way they they uh, they view this uh, material? Well, I think one common thread that runs through all is is uh, that not to talk about it. That um, it's looked upon not as a common event, but not an unusual event, because there have been. Uh, so many people who have witnessed such events, but they're, you know, cautioned not to talk about it. Um, and I think part of that comes from the fact that they do not want people from the National Enquirer or people, you know, coming onto their reservation because they they like their privacy and they don't want that interference in their lives. Um does that answer the question? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and also that answers the next question that he had, too. He said, among people in the U.S., discussion of UFOs is often met with derision and mockery. What has been the attitude yes. of people in the tribes, you know, regarding the acceptability of discussing the topic? And, and, and do people encounter the same stigma as in non-Indian U.S. culture? And I think you've, you've pretty emphatically stated, yeah, that, that people uh, tend to keep these stories to themselves. They're, they're, they're pretty much, uh, you know, automatically uh, keep quiet about this stuff. They don't share these, these, uh, these stories uh, even amongst themselves. Well, well how about... There's also- something else that goes on too and and uh when you read the book you'll 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 see a, um some incidents of that is um very common um among some of the tribes to tease each other and and they tease sometimes unmercifully and if you remember the police officers who reported sighting a UFO and they were referred to as the little green man team and their fellow officers just teased them unmercifully. Right. And they told me if we had had it to do over again, we would have never said a word because for the rest of our lives, that's who we will be called. Right. And Indians, when our Indians kids grow do up, tease each talk, other. They'll be talking about it. Yeah. I've noticed uh, when I've, I've spent time on, you know, on various reservations, that Indians have a have a really um, almost a uh, a hyperactive sense of humor, and they do tend to tease each other. Uh, oh, they do <laughs> unmercifully. And so, oh, that in itself, and then there were some that more more the younger some of the younger generation um, feared that it 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 might result in a job loss because they were in positions of public trust. And if somebody even questioned their sanity, they might lose their job or they might not be hired. 
um, as a consultant someplace. Um, so, you know, I think there's some of the same fears that you hear in mainstream society right. of people not reporting it because they don't want to be considered a kook. And and I think that explains part of the reason why they wanted to be anonymous is they just didn't want that information out there. Yeah, it's like many of the posters at forum.theparacast.com. They use these these uh, avatar names. Uh, they don't want to be identified uh, because of, 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 you know, that fear of being ridiculed and singled out. Here's another question from Conrad that is a good one. Do any of the UFO sightings uh, that you have interviewed witnesses about correlate with uh, cryptid sightings or other anomalies? Uh, and his the second part of the question is, do the topic of Thunderbirds or Skinwalkers ever come up in these stories that you've heard? Well, um, not... not um skinwalkers and not thunderbirds and not um bigfoot but shapeshifters yes in fact um um uh, i heard many stories about uh uh aliens or star people who could appear and disappear at will who appeared as lights in the beginning and then suddenly took human form you know, you're raising a big issue there, and I wanted to ask you some questions because that brings up other possible questions about the origin of these beings. We have Artie Sixkiller Clark. We're talking about encounters with star people. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are. The GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Preparedness is simple when you have the right stuff. And with the looming threat of economic collapse and possible service interruption, it's time to get the best-in-class preparedness stuff at DisasterStuff.com. DisasterStuff.com has been serving smart preppers for over 15 years with quality products like Berkey water filters. DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. And as always, free shipping on all Berkey products. Stock up on water barrels and accessories. Get Country Living or Wonder Mill grain mills, Excalibur food dehydrators, Tatler reusable canning lids, sun oven solar cookers, EMP bags to protect sensitive electronics, and don't be without your life straw personal water filter, all from DisasterStuff.com. Preparedness is simple with the right stuff from DisasterStuff.com. 
freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. You land in Buenos Aires, then are shuttled to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa. It's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more, all more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com, the big game hunting ranch, GoldenStagSafaris.com. It's time for a home security quiz. Answer this. What effective home security device is smaller than a coffee cup, fakes out burglars into thinking someone is home at your house while you're away, plugs into any wall outlet, is recommended by many police departments, and sells for less than $35? Yes, it's fake TV. This year, about one in every 50 U.S. homes will have a break-in, with burglars usually picking the easy target, a dark house that looks like no one is home. Fake TV is a small electronic security device that makes it look like someone is home watching TV by simulating the light from a real TV. It's like a lamp on a timer, but far more convincing. And for only $34.95, fake TV could be the difference between coming home to a secure house or one that's been ransacked. Go to faketv.com or call one 877 877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388. Or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? On the Paracast, we have Dr. Artie Sixkiller Clark joining us. We're talking about encounters with star people. And Artie, I wanted to ask you about these shape-changing things, beings, whatever they are. Wouldn't that possibly indicate something else is at play here other than E.T., maybe some other kind of indigenous or terrestrial phenomenon? Well, I'm I'm not sure. I You know, I'm... I'm the people I interviewed felt they were star people with disability to just disappear when they wanted to, to sometimes appear as balls of light and then suddenly become, uh, take a human form right in front of their eyes. So, you know, whether it's, uh, it's another, I mean, and all of them said this in conjunction with a craft sighting. It wasn't that it was a ball of light and took a human form and there was nothing in the sky or nothing nearby. All of it involves some kind of a sighting of a craft. Okay, let me ask you, though. Did these beings, when they appear to be human, interact with anyone and say, yes, we're from the stars, so to speak? Well, in the one case, that you remember the in the book the, the story that took place before Roswell where there was a crash? Would you explain this, this to our uh, listeners? They haven't read the book and they'd like to know. Well, there was an elder that told me a story about back when he was a young boy. I think he was around 10 years old, 
that he always spent the summers on his grandfather's ranch. And when school was out, that was just his parents dropped him there, and that's where he stayed. And and on this one occasion, he arrived on his grandfather's ranch, and there was a crashed UFO. And it had crashed into a butte and was just partially outside the butte. It hit with such force that it went inside the butte, but part of it was outside the, the butte. And it was at a time when um, the government was building a lot of dams and different things around the country. And it just happened to be that on this particular, in this particular place, there was a dam being built. And his grandfather is forced to leave his property. Well, first of all, I should say that his grandfather talked about these alien beings from the stars who came and 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 17 of them, I think it was, survived. He didn't know if any others were there, but there were 18 seats, I believe, on, on the craft. But 17 of them, and they lived there. And But when he first encountered them and would go there, they would disappear at will. And afterwards, when they realized he meant them no harm, he had an interaction with them. And they were rescued. They stayed there a few months until a craft came back and rescued them. But did they say where they came from? Well, he said that he went, after he was older, that he went to his science teacher, and he what he said is they came from Pleiades. That's what he said. Is that what they told him? Well, that's what they told the grandfather. They told the grandfather where they pointed to the place in the sky. So he goes to his teacher and says, what is this place? And the teacher told him it was Pleiades. Interesting, because I've, I've heard that correlation cross-tribally um, of the Pleiades being singled out as a potential location for these beings. Now, I have a couple of follow-up well, questions on this. Uh, one is, do we have an approximate time period? Was this the 30s, the 20s? Uh, what what decade are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about... Uh, uh, you said before Roswell. Yeah. Yeah, it was before Roswell in the early 40s. In the early 40s. Okay, well, my other question is, what happened to the ship that was partially embedded in the Butte? Well, that's the interesting thing, because he said that, that when, the, when the government arrived... They forced his grandfather off his ranch and made him go live in this motel room. And he stayed with his grandfather at the time, and his grandfather was just beside himself over what was going on. And, of course, when they came back, they didn't even recognize the place. And he was convinced that that the military had found it and had removed it. And I said, how in the world could somebody remove a UFO, and nobody know it. He said, well, people used to stand along the highway and watch these around on the road, watching these huge machines come and go because they had never seen anything like it. He said, you've got to realize this happened at a time when there were very few vehicles on the reservation. And he said that people would literally stand along the road and watch these huge machines go by. And he said, you could have moved anything. And, of course, he didn't live anywhere near any neighbors. The closest neighbor he had had, had moved away. 
and and the grandfather seemed to take a lot of pride in the fact that he could take care of the star men or you know secret them away from from the world and nobody could interfere with it you know able to give us uh, a state where this happened uh is this new mexico was to. it <laughs> if i did it would be so easy to find it <laughs> well i'm sure you understand my uh my eagerness to uh, kind of try to pinpoint this uh, <laughs> location a little bit. You can't blame me. I mean, this is uh, no, 17 star that. people coming from a crash saucer, the government uh, recovering it. Mean, it, it, it. It's hard for me not to ask uh, uh, probing questions uh, already, as, as I'm sure you oh, can Oh, I know that, that. And, and, but I just am, it, if I told you, it would just. Could you tell me privately? not on the air could i talk to you and could you verify some of the locations of some of these cases if i promised i would not publicize this i promised the people okay so it, okay it's hard for me to break that okay promise. when when an investigator you know, what, is, what does a person have except their word you know really right. what really but, matters in this world except your word right and and uh, oftentimes when i am uh asked to uh you know honor a person's request for anonymity one of my follow-up questions is, well, would you mind if I shared this story with a fellow investigator off the record in private? And I give them that option. Uh, this might be a little something that you might consider in the future. Um, I have well, you know, questions. when, I, when I, I collected these stories, occasionally I would think, well, maybe I'll write a book. But then, you know, I, I, I pretty much I just set them aside and just wasn't going to do anything with them. And then was encouraged to to write the book. Um, so I never even thought about asking those kind of questions right. because I was just collecting um, um, these stories. And and uh, um, now, in hindsight, I probably should have done a lot of things that I didn't do. But you know, as um, I, I guess I looked at things differently as a social scientist. You know, yeah, you're you're actually we're we're talking about uh, folklore here. Really, we're not talking about science. We're not talking about points of data. Uh, uh, you know, verifying uh, dates, times. Uh, you know, accurate descriptions. Looking for physical evidence, um, like myself and other investigators would do. It reminds right. me of Tom Dongo here in the Sedona area, who has been collecting stories for 30 years, many of them uh, actually from uh, the Navajo Reservation. He's not interested in the least to, to get a day at a time and, and a lot of accurate sort of data points. But I wanna, I'm going to kind of uh, cool our jets here about some of these accounts and, and get a sense from you. If you've really... In 900, uh, you know, interviews, uh, you're going to start to see some correlations uh, between tribal thinking in terms of star people. Do you see a consistent kind of a, a body of thinking or a sense of, 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 of similarities between uh, different tribes? Traditional knowledge uh, concerning star people, the Pleiades, I know, uh, and uh, and Orion. This is a place where we have to kind of sort of break it. We're talking to Artie Sixkiller Clark. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast.
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. If you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapail has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface, well, and wastewater sources. Aquapail. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48, ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. Radio advertising on GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is simple, affordable, and reaches millions. How do we do it? Let's break it down. First, the simple part. You tell us about your business. <laughs> then our expert radio copywriters write your copy. We hire professional voice talent. Hello there. I'm a professional announcer. And then produce your ad with just the right music and feel. Voila. Simple. How affordable? 60-second ads on GCN are the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And that brings us to reach. Millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 700 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. That's it. A one-stop shop. Creative radio ads. Very affordable rates. Millions of potential customers and customer service that can't be beat. See our current list of satisfied advertisers at GCNlive.com. Then shoot us an email. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Pharmacist Ben Fuchs knows the importance of proper digestion. Make sure you take a look at the Ultimate Enzyme product. They're made with bile salts and fat digestion enzymes and protein digestive enzymes. And not only do the Ultimate Enzymes give you obvious benefits for digestion, but they can also help keep your blood flowing through your circulatory system. As most of you probably know by now, thick, sludgy, clotting blood is a serious risk factor for heart disease and stroke. Clearly, inappropriate and excessive blood clotting is a major health issue, and thick, sludgy blood is not just about heart health either. Sludgy blood can compromise oxygenation and nutrient delivery 
to all your cells and tissues and organs and ultimately lead to almost any health issue you can name. Concerned about proper digestion and heart health? Order Ultimate Enzymes by calling 866-735-2470. That's 866-735-2470 or on the web at brightsidebed.com. That's brightsidebed.com. Order today. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Chris was in the midst of asking a very involved question of our guest this week, Artie Sixkiller Clark, author of Encounters with Star People. Chris, why don't you ask part two of the question, then we'll get Artie's answer. Yeah, basically, what I'm what I'm shooting for is is I'm looking for consistency. Uh, between tribal uh, traditions uh, concerning star people, do you see correlations? Do you see uh, similarities? Is there a thread of of consistency that runs through from tribe to tribe uh, relating to uh, star knowledge and star people? Well, if there is a consistency, it is that a majority of the people I interviewed came from tribes that believe that that the star people existed and that they frequented the, the, the planet Earth from the beginning of time. Um, that is the one commonality. On the other hand, you will go and you will find other tribes that have absolutely no cosmic connection, either in their legends, their stories, or any knowledge of speaking of star people or the ancients or anything like that. So... It's hard to generalize among the tribes um, of, of of generalities because their cultures are so distinct, their their legends are unique, and the stories they tell uh, can be very different. But I, as a as a rule, I would say that that the majority of the people that I talked to came from tribes that believed that the star people existed. Question from um, Conrad Hartman, and he wonders, how far east has your work with American Indian tribes taken you? Do you have any stories, for instance, from the Delaware Nation or affiliated tribes, uh, maybe the Six Nations uh, tribes, the Iroquois, the Mohawk, uh, and, and tribes from the east coast? Well, obviously, um, I, I was, uh, some of my stories in the book do come from the east uh, and the midwest. Um, but I have never talked with uh, any of the um, uh, northeastern tribes, um, uh, ex- with the exception of a couple Iroquois. Other than that, no. You know, my work at Montana State University didn't take me to those places. Right. Um, my, my stories came from the reservations and the places that I visited, or if I met somebody at a conference that over the years became, um, you know, trusted me enough to tell a story. But other than that, no. Well, how about your own experiences? Um, I remember in the book that you had a a sighting of an object um, at the funeral of one of your your interview subjects. Uh, How about your own UFO-type sighting experiences? Uh, Do you want to uh, tell us about those? Well, I'd really like to focus on the book, but I can tell you that um, I have had um, more than one experience. So have I, actually. (laughs) Um, Pardon? 
Uh, so have I. I've had uh, yeah. uh, quite a number actually over the years. Well, here's here's a, an, an, an interesting question uh, from one of our our forum posters, uh, Mastastic, who's uh, been a poster since July of last year. Is there any way to separate good and evil aliens that those interviewed described? It seems that the traditional gray aliens with the large eyes, the frail appearance, and the skinny bodies and large heads were involved in the more nefarious abduction uh, accounts and interactions, whereas the more human-appearing aliens were closer to kind of a, an American Indian belief in ancestors from the stars. Uh, do you see any sort of uh, separation between uh, different types of entities and, and how they were perceived in a either positive or negative way by your interview subjects? Well, you know, um, there were a couple of instances. Um, I reported stories in the book of, of the, um, the people describing them almost like insects. And those experiences were not positive experiences. They were forcibly taken onto a spacecraft. They were very aware of what was happening to them. And um, um, that they were being forcibly taken by, taken by these beings. And, and that was not a positive experience for them. Um, and so there was a distinction, and and their description of them. Now, one of the interesting things I found is that they they didn't talk about them having great big large eyes. They talked about them wearing goggles, and I thought that was interesting because maybe that's what they do wear. Maybe those big eyes are nothing more than some kind of goggles. Uh, to protect their eyes or something. I don't know. But I found that interesting because, I, you know, I've heard the stories about, you know, the aliens with the big eyes and, and, um, and of course, you see it in television and, you know, everywhere you, you go in pop culture. Um, <laughs> oh, boy, do we. <laughs> but, A constant but, source of irritation here at the Paracast, I might add. Right, bad. But you know, one of the things that 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 I encountered where they were described, I said, "Well, what did their eyes? You know, how they described their eyes?" And they said, "Well, we can't because they were wearing these black goggles." So I thought that was interesting that they didn't see them as having these big oval eyes; they saw them as wearing goggles. Well, here's a question that, that I wanted to ask you uh, myself, and that is, out of all these interviews that you did, most of them obviously were just average, everyday uh, American Indian folk. Did you ever interview somebody that was a head of a medicine society or uh, a, a chief or some sort of political figure or someone uh, with high political standing or social standing within a tribe? Well, several of the people I interviewed had high social standing within the tribe or leadership in the tribe, um, whether they were I, – I, I stayed away from, from um, uh, interviews with uh, what we call the holy men or the medicine men unless they just wanted to talk. Um, I, I – my work took me to places where I met uh, the leaders of the community, uh, both in the school and in tribal government. Um, and and so the people I interviewed were often head of programs or that were tribal programs or 
leaders of uh, in the community, and so yes, it wasn't. It, it just wasn't. You know, somebody that I picked up off the street. They, these were reliable, respectable um, individuals. But they also, as I point out in my book, some of them had never used a cell phone, had never watched television or owned anything like that, whereas others had PhDs. So it ran the full gamut of people with different experiences and different backgrounds. As uh, many uh, investigators and and researchers out there will attest to, uh, these types of experiences... Uh, tend to happen across the board in in, in a culture. Uh, nobody, no single group is is more susceptible, or, or is, except maybe divorced middle aged housewives and abductions. I, I that was a joke. We have a very interesting. I have an interesting question from somebody that just signed up here this month uh, on the forum at theparacast dot com. It says, "Hello, I'm a newbie to both you, your site, and your show." And with that said, I'm currently reading Doctor Clark's book. Although new to your show, star people and topics of this nature have been a lifelong interest of mine. And their question to you is, in the book, Chapter 21, Two Women Speak Their Minds, Tally, one of the uh, witnesses, informs you, quote, I was told that there were four violent species in the universe. Humans were one of them, unquote. Did you ever hear of who the other three violent species were? And they go on to say... She never explained, and I asked her that. And she looked at me and she said, with all these interviews you're doing, you should be able to figure that one out for yourself. So I don't know. You know, I never got an answer from her. Oh, Oh, man. Well, uh, this person, uh, Evan Spencer, is is very... loves your book and says, for those of you who have yet to read this book, I'm referring to a rather charming encounter, including one of the chapters, and they highly recommend anyone interested in furthering their perspective on ETs and visitations to read your book. And uh, they say that your your uh, the American Indian outlook pertaining to uh, the subject matter is very rich in detail and well worth your time. I agree. There's some fascinating accounts in here, but but again, you know, you're you're sort of handcuffed here a little bit. In terms of uh, the real skeptical side uh, of our audience, uh, we do pride ourselves in, in being healthily skeptical in in uh, dealing with these subjects. And uh, at times, uh, we tend to get uh, a little bit of flack from people that want us to suspend our disbelief completely. But we have to suspend right now. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that, Gene. <laughs> with Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi. 
this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Extendivite is a seven-herb heart protection cocktail designed to support cardiovascular health, blood pressure, and cholesterol levels. February is Heart Month, and we at Heart Drop 2000 are having our Heart Month sale with prices from six years ago. Starting now until February 28th, you can purchase a four-month supply of either capsules or liquid for only $125, including shipping and handling. To help you help yourself. So call now to take advantage of this one time offer. To order, call 1 877 928 8822. That's 1 877 928 8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're now unsuspended and ready to go with Gene and Chris in the Paracast. Our guest, Artie Sixkiller Clark. And Chris was busy explaining that, you know, we sometimes take a more skeptical approach of events than other shows. Chris? Yeah, and I can I can appreciate that you're going to be getting a little bit of flack from folks out there because there's not one person on the record. There's uh, no mention of any sort of corroborating information, uh, photographs, recordings, uh, any sort of uh, indication other than a, a few, you know, being shown physical trace evidence, which I think is important, especially Leland's case. Uh, that That's very fascinating, that particular event. But you cultivated relationships uh, with many of these witnesses. And were you able to kind of see a progression where a person would open up more and more and tell you more and more details? Did anyone ever offer to uh, show you photographs? Or did anyone uh, offer to, sh- to, to take you to locations? Uh, you mentioned at the top of the show a location that you were taken to explain explain how the relationship side that you sort of garnered with some of these witnesses how it grew and how it was nurtured uh, over the years because you did you did uh, get to know some of these individuals uh, quite well over the years well because you know with within the culture you know out of respect you just don't go to a person and and get their story and then forget that they ever existed. I mean, it's, it's you know, I always uh, would go back and see them. I would um, take them presents. Uh, I would stop in for a visit and have coffee with them. That's just a matter of respect. That's part of, of, of the culture. And I did. I, I, I grew to love some of them. In fact, some of the elders really made um, an enormous impression on my life. There was never um, any question to me but what they were telling me the truth. And I, I um, 
over the years, some of the people I knew for a very long time before they ever told me their story. A lot of it just comes from from the fact that they they had worked with me, they watched me, they believed I wasn't going to exploit the situation or to exploit them or uh, their tribe. In fact, you know, if you read the book, you'll see that that part of the proceeds uh, go toward um, uh, American Indian scholarships at Montana State University. I was just saying that. You know, a part of uh, of the culture is that that too that you give back, um, and so um, at least for my uh, money that I would make from this book, which isn't considerable, but a percentage will go to American Indian scholarships because I want to give back to those who gave so freely to me of their time and of their stories, so that you know, future generations uh, have an opportunity because I had, before I retired at Montana State University, I had established um, a scholarship that would go on in perpetuity. Uh, and and once it had, I had paid in $25,000 and it became, they started awarding the scholarships. And I keep donating to that fund from uh, my writings and my work now. I have uh, uh, some other questions uh, from our, our, our forum posters, and and Jimmy H is is having a hard time wrapping his head around uh, around your book and, and the subject matter, and you know he does ask some very pointed questions here. One of them is: Would the Star People be interested in revealing themselves publicly? Do you have any indication of that? And or perhaps leave behind objects which might convince skeptics of their their existence. Um, out of all the stories, I don't really see much mention of any sort of disclosure by these entities uh, disclosing, uh, you know, slam dunk evidence of their of their actual existence and interest in in our cultures. Do you want to address that? Well, I think it goes back to to what some of the um, interviewee said is that there is a law in the universe of non-interference in other other cultures of other planets, and I, you know, so you know, I've read uh, so much of this literature where you know that. Um, the Earth is going to be destroyed, and UFOs are going to come and pick up a select few and spirit them away, or that they're going to come and save the Earth. <laughs> I never yeah. got any of that kind of information from the people I interviewed. There was absolutely none of that. It was that they come here, they collect data, they land in places where they hope they will be unseen and can leave the same way and that but there are people or entities that break the law and do interfere and I suspect they're referring to abductions or um, mutilations of animals or whatever. Let me ask you though, Artie, I hate to interrupt, this non-interference policy, is this something they present to people who contact them, or something that is assumed? And I'm not talking about the Star Trek non-interference policy here. It it was something that was told to them. Okay, so they tell people, we're not here to interfere, but by communicating with them, they're interfering, aren't they? Well, but they they came upon these entities 
by accident or the entities came upon them by accident. And when they were questioned by the by the people I interviewed of what are you doing here? Why are you here? Uh, and many of them, many of their responses were they were they weren't supposed to be seen. They were not meant to interfere in the life of anybody. So it was an accidental meeting. In which case, not- of course, they basically totally turned around that person's life by the encounter. But also, well, you I'm think not so here sure of that. I mean, but it, wouldn't it you think though? But wouldn't you think here? I'm just speculating here. We have an advanced race or many advanced races coming here from uh, other planets and other star systems, and certainly prospect that is fairly obvious now because we're discovering more and more potential Earth-like planets in the universe. So this is certainly a realistic possibility to consider, even by skeptics. Okay, so knowing that there's always the risk that the local populace is going to come upon them by mistake, wouldn't they have a contingency plan, some kind of neuralizer or something to wipe out the memories, to hypnotize people so they don't interfere, so the people do not remember this encounter? That's what I always wonder about. Well, you know, I think that's been a common theme in UFO literature. But I'm I'm writing about people who have never been hypnotized, people who are not channeling aliens, people who are not in a dream state. I'm writing about people who have full recall of what occurred. Okay, but I'm saying that, in saying that, I think maybe you're missing my point. In saying that, if they have, as they claim, a policy of non-interference, knowing also that their presence in and of itself where they communicate with somebody because of an accidental encounter, is itself some sort of interference, wouldn't they have a contingency plan? It just seems strange. It seems to me like they're talking, I would think they're talking through their hat if they're saying there's a non-interference plan and then they interfere. Well, maybe so. I mean, that was not the feeling that I got. I mean, the people I interviewed were not traumatized. They were not having nightmares. They weren't all, you know, I guess, you know, for me, if, 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 if their presence had changed my life dramatically, I would consider that interference. Has your encounters, one of you said you had had several encounters, have they changed your life significantly beyond the belief that they do exist? Okay, Chris, I'm sure will have his answers to how that influenced his life. I know my life was changed when I read a UFO book on a coffee table at my late brother's home, but that's another story. On the other hand, did finding that book and reading that book change my life? Well, you can sure bet it did. I mean, look what I do every week and look at the show that you're listening to. That's all an outgrowth of what happened when I was 11 years old. Artie Six Killer Clark joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, 
special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Hi, this is Peter Kronstrommel from Midas Resources. As you know, federal government spending is at an all-time high, and inflation will be a direct result of the spending policy. European government and central bank spending policies have put the European Union on the brink of collapse. What are you doing right now to protect yourself financially? Are your assets working for you or against you? One thing is certain. Having physical possession of gold and silver will guarantee that no matter what happens to our economy or the dollar, your investment will never be worthless. It will protect you from that hidden tax, inflation. If you've been thinking about investing in physical possession of precious metals or having an IRA in precious metals, I can help. Call me today, Peter Crunch, now at 800-686-2237, extension 108. And I'll take the time to personally put together a portfolio designed to protect what you've worked so hard for. Call 800-686-2237, extension 108. You've worked hard your whole life, and I want to work hard for you. Call Peter at 800-686-2237, extension 108. Your freedoms are on the line. The Second Amendment is in danger. How soon before your freedoms are taken away? What can you not live without? What is your greatest dependency? Is it your guns? Is it your home? No, it's food. It all boils down to the food supply. Tyrannical governments control people by controlling their food supply. Don't be dependent. Be self-sufficient. Don't wait for the government to feed you. Feed yourself. I can warn you, but I can't feed you. Do like Alex has done and get a supply of food from eFoods Direct. It's the best long-term from storable food on the planet. Get the popular Mega Patriot Pack free. A 24-day supply of food plus stove, cook pot, and fuel. Call 800-250-1857 or go to eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex and get up to 20 Mega Patriot Packs free with purchase. Build your food supply, be in control, be self-sufficient, and be a patriot. Call 800-250-1857 or eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex and get your free Patriot Pack today. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. The question already posed on the table, and we're talking about here, 
potential possible interference by beings who claim they're here but not interfering. With our guest, Artie Sixkiller Clark, and she asked Chris O'Brien, who's had unusual encounters, how it changed his life. Chris? Encounter, uh, in terms of conscious uh, recollection, I've only had one encounter, to my knowledge, and that was when I was seven years old. I was not communicated with. Uh, these beings seemed to be really curious, even though I didn't get any sort of emotional sense uh, from them. But the fact that they were following me around my neighborhood at three in the morning indicated to me, even as a seven-year-old, that there was uh, some sort of interest there. But one thing that's always puzzled me, uh, you know, for almost 50 years now, that these beings never attempted to communicate to me. And when I attempted to communicate to them, it was like I was talking to a blank wall. So, again, this this gets into a you know, a, a, an area of, of psychology and of, of screen memories, and it gets really complicated. And I think oftentimes when people have unusual experiences of this nature, there's a certain element that may be at play here that is not apparent in the conscious recollection of the event. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, you know, it's a hallway with a quicksand floor. You really don't know if you're dealing with the real thing, if you're dealing with something that's being projected into the experience and you're reacting to that, there are no real givens in the situation other than the fact that a, a very highly unusual event is taking place. So, you know, I'm not really sure, uh, Gene, how to how to respond to that. Um, you know, in my one case, uh, personally, I was not communicated with. And, and, and it, it still to this day kind of bothers me because, boy, why, why would they show up and let their presence be known and then just look at me like blank slates uh it, it doesn't make any sense to me i've been wondering too and this is another going back to a question from jimmy h who's uh one of our our more recent uh members of the forum here at the paracast when it comes to spiritual matters already is it perhaps wrong to understand these stories literally in other words, when it comes to so-called lizard people, are we really supposed to understand that literally or as some sort of spiritual archetype or, or some sort of collective symbol in our unconscious, uh, as he puts it, a la Jungarian psychology? What do you think? Do you, do you think these stories should be accepted at face value literally, or do you think that we're being slowly maybe programmed uh, with some sort of screen images? Uh, do you think these, these, these events are literal? I do. I didn't encounter people who had experiences with lizard people. I encountered people that talked about insect-like bodies and forms, although they would be, you know, two legs and two arms. But yes, I, for me, I would, I take them literally. I don't, I, you know, um, I've been um, writing my stories about, about the Maya and uh, I, you know, traveled among the Maya from Belize all the way through Honduras, Guatemala, and Mexico. And most of the stories that I heard, uh, one was extremely interesting from this elder Maya man who told me, well, first I heard this story about these giants that lived in the jungle. I was sitting with this elder, and I asked him about these giants. I said, Do you, are they still in the jungle? And he says, oh, yes. And he gave me the Maya word for these for these creatures, and, and he said, they're hairy. And he believed, and he said, and we can hear them cry at night. And he says, sometimes they come into the village, and they still are women. 
And then he told me, but he says, when it really gets bad is when these things come from the sky and they land and they hunt these people, these, uh, these creatures and they scream and they cry as they're chasing them through the jungle. And, and he said that on those nights, everybody stays inside. Nobody goes out. Which part of the Maya world was this elder in? Uh, in other words, was he in Honduras? Guatemala. Guatemala. Okay. Guatemala. So it sounds like uh, and, uh, predator. He was really an interesting man. You know, he uh, had. Uh, uh, um, in fact, he saved me from a poisonous snake. And uh, um, but it, 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 he was. Um, uh, but he was quite. Um, and, and I heard a, a number of stories about different creatures uh, um, when I traveled. What I had set out to do originally when I was a teenager, I had read these books by two 19th century explorers, uh, uh, John Stevenson and, uh, and uh, Frederick Catherwood, who were basically the first white men who had ever really documented the Maya civilization. And they traveled... Uh, two di- made two different trips, uh, starting out in um, uh, what is now uh, Honduras, and they uh, traveled through um, uh, Central America and up into Mexico looking for these ancient cities. Well, I wanted to do that all my life. I wanted to follow in their footsteps and see how life had changed. But then, you know, Von Daniken and some of those books started coming out where they were saying that Pacal was a pulling gay astronaut and all this kind of stuff. And so I got very interested in what were the stories of the people that lived, the Maya people, and were their stories? And where could he come up with this kind of, of thing? And so... I decided that along with following in the footsteps of Stevens and Catherwood, I was going to find out for myself if there was any substance to these stories. And it was a fascinating, fascinating four years I spent trekking along and listening to stories that were were really quite remarkable. And I, that that will be the topic of my next book. Wow, and interesting. Again, Again, I won't have a, uh, any evidence, uh, scientific evidence. I just will have the stories as they were told to me. But this oh, this man believed that these creatures, these hairy Bigfoot-like creatures, were actually brought to the jungle by the men from the stars, and that they came back to check on them. Wow, that's that's uh, that's an interesting twist. Uh, we we yep. just had on uh, our last show uh, Stan Gordon, who has spent the last fifty years investigating uh, hard boiled scientific uh, investigation as 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 in the field as possible uh, of unusual events that occur in uh, Pennsylvania. And some of his uh, most compelling cases over the decades has been cases of Bigfoot seen in conjunction with uh, with lighted craft. And, yeah, uh, well, I didn't know that, but that's what he told me. I was really, an, you know, I mean, he went into quite a bit of detail about, about what happened and the fear uh, of the people and how people would not venture out into the jungle at, at night 
um, for fear um, that that these uh, creatures from the stars would come back and 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 he said that they always would howl and cry. We got to do the break here, and we'll continue with the howling and crying. We'll have more okay. howling and crying, and lots more to come with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. It's an MRE smorgasbord at longlifefood.com. In 1983, Long Life Food Depot was one of the first to sell MRE pouches to the public, and we're still selling them almost 30 years later. Today, Long Life Food Depot has the world's most complete MRE online buffet because MREs are all we do. Tasty varieties of chicken, beef, salmon, and pasta entrees, plus sandwiches and our easy-to-use pouches. Full moisture, long shelf life, and ready-to-eat hot or cold. We sell by the pouch or case, so the choices are endless, and so are the graduated quantity discounts. The more you buy, the more you save. Call 800-601-2833 or go to longlifefood.com to join our email list for upcoming announcements like the Rollaway Food Pod. Plus, enjoy fast and free shipping. Just call 800-601-2833 or visit longlifefood.com. Emergency preparedness, emergency relief. Longlifefood.com since 1983. Sending real food to your real future. Are you or someone you love struggling with stress, anxiety, or less than perfect health? Hi, this is Pastor Jenny, and as a woman of faith, I spent many years in ministry burdened with anxiety and fear. But in 2010, I met Dr. Carolyn Dean, and I took her recommendation to try RNA Drops. 
Within days of taking RNA drops, my anxiety began to lift. My joy was restored, and the peace of mind that I would have once called a miracle has now become normal to me. Discover what RNA drops can do for you. Order your free sample today at www.rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. There you can order a free 30-day trial-sized bottle of RNA drops by paying just shipping and handling. That's www.rnafreesample.com. Maybe there's a miracle waiting there for you. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. That is not howling and crying, but you know... Chris has a different way of looking at things. So. Well, that that brings up uh, a very interesting question here, Artie. Oh, you know, I know you've traveled among the Maya. Uh, yeah, just uh, as recently yeah. as November. Um, but but this brings me up to uh, a point that that I kind of tried to raise earlier, and that is the ultra terrestrial or the crypto terrestrial. You know, most people that are into uh, Bigfoot and 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 trying to document the existence of Bigfoot, I think. Ninety-nine percent of them consider them to be terrestrial creatures that uh, somehow evolved alongside humanity here on this planet. And you're suggesting this Mayan elder is saying, or you're, this Mayan elder is suggesting that these these creatures were introduced here from somewhere else. Now, this brings up a very interesting uh, sort of a conflict in in viewpoints here. Uh, out of the nine hundred witnesses. That you talked to, did anyone talk about Bigfoot? Did anyone talk about creatures that have always existed here that maybe uh, uh, evolved into some sort of intelligent species? Uh, could we possibly be dealing with something that is very terrestrial, even more terrestrial than we are? Well, you know, I, I did not interview anyone in in the United States or Alaska or Hawaii who who spoke of Bigfoot. I only, but then I wasn't on reservations where Bigfoot has been um, been reported. You know, like in the in the uh, up in the north northwestern part of the United States or in Canada, um, it, where you hear more of Bigfoot's those stories, been reported but, on on the Navajo Res. It's been reported uh, on the on the uh, the various Sioux reservations. Uh. Well, you know, Big, Bigfoot's been reported in 48 well, I, don't, I, I have no knowledge of that. All I know is none of the people that I talked to, except when I got down into the Maya country, did I hear about Bigfoot. And this is the first time I've ever heard Bigfoot mentioned from uh, the jungle. Well, and not, they didn't, they said, they. he told me, he might be like, the uh see this elder had been in the um spent some of his early youth in the United States and he said it would be similar to maybe your Bigfoot but he said this one is long, has long hairy he has long hair and he made a big big uh well Bigfoot are often described that way the only hairy uh paranormal type beings that I've heard of from the Mayan world are the, the Alexis, the small dwarfs. Uh, uh, no, at Ushmal, they're, they're, the legend is that the uh, the small hairy dwarves actually built the Temple of the Magician overnight. Right. Uh, in one Ushmal. single night. Ushmal. 
Yeah, I'm very familiar with that too. And if you, you know, as you travel throughout throughout Maya country, you'll find these little tiny doors in some of the some of the uh, uh, temples. And the people will tell you that that's for the Aleutians because that's where they come and go. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm, I'm very familiar with them. But this they're is small and hairy. You're talking about hairy giants. I've never heard. Right. I, I'm, I'm racking my brain to try to try to recall if I've ever heard of of a Bigfoot type creature being uh, reported or even legends of them in the, uh, in the uh, Central American and, and Southern Mexican jungles. Uh, I can't, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm, I'm scratching my head going, well, how come I haven't heard of, of these types of creatures? And yet here we have an elder who talks about them being introduced by, you know, you know, quote unquote, uh, you know, star people, I think uh, for lack of a better term. And that they actually uh, check on them, and and they moan and groan and howl in the <laughs> from being chased through the jungle by uh, by UFOs. Uh, this is pretty compelling stuff. I, I'd love to. I'd love well, to. Well, you know what I'll do, Chris, is um, I have um, I have the name he gave me of what they call them, and I'll send that to you. I, I would really it's like a, that because I want to. I want to dovetail it's this. It's a Maya. It's a Mayan word. It's, it's a it's, it's a term, uh, yeah, uh, sort a, of a know, tag a, that they give. What they call them, right? Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd love to uh, get that because I can uh, help you with a little bit of research. Uh, you know, I do uh, have you know a pretty good network of uh, of sources of open minded scientists and others uh, down in that part of the world. Uh, I, w- I would really love to uh, do a little bit more digging on this. This is really fascinating. Well, it was fascinating to me because I had. I had been told by uh, uh, my driver as we were going, uh, going, we were traveling this mountain road in the jungle, and and we were headed for Mexico. And he said he he began telling me these stories about these giants that once lived in um, the jungle, and he said. And they had uh, white jaguars as their companions. Well, you know, I've never heard of a white jaguar. <laughs> so so he, he began telling me, you know, that how unlucky it was if you ever saw one. And he said, and they found bones of, of these giants. And I said, well, are you sure they weren't mastodon bones? Because I know that mastodons were supposed to have lived in this part of Guatemala. And he said, well, he said, there's a French um, archaeologist over the hill there, he says, who who says that that's what they are. But he says the people know differently. And that's what interesting. got me interested. Huh? Yeah, it's interesting that you should bring up giants because we have uh, a pretty interesting body of evidence uh, that goes back into uh, even the late 18th century and early 19th century about giants that supposedly co-inhabited North America uh, right. with uh, Indian populations. So, of course, the red-haired giants found in the Mojave, um, uh, some of the, the mounds uh, in the Ohio River Valley area supposedly contained, uh, you know, some sort of uh, remains of, of beings that were eight and, and even taller, feet tall. Um, in your research of, of Native American, or rather uh, American Indian traditions, 
Um, what do the Indians say about a race of giants that may have lived here in ancient times? You know, um, um, I came across a couple of stories about red-headed giants that lived in the southwest, and they lived in caves. And the Indian tribe finally succeeded in killing all of them. And that is a part of their historical record that they were telling me that that uh, that that this occurred. Um, I haven't uh, I heard one other legend that was told about a tribe. Uh, they said um, in in the old days we lived in Mexico and we crossed the great river. And when we crossed the Great River, there was a, a a tribe of giants, and they ate people. And we had to be very careful to get by these people, and um, um, to, to get into what is now the United States. Um, so I did run on to a few of those, but. I ran. I did run onto it in 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 Central America and in Mexico. Stories of giants. I mean, this was an old story that this driver was telling me. Yeah, about um, you know, giants and these white jaguars. Uh, you know, something that said, we. You know, I meant to mention this before and, and ask you about this before, but but you, you know, you have a doctorate in 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 what educational? Um, what right. what is your doctorate in? Leadership. Educational leadership. What was your dissertation on? I meant to ask you this before. What uh, What was your doctoral dissertation subject? My doctoral dissertation looked at at uh, um, the uh, um, I looked at the size of school and whether once the size of school determined whether a student would graduate from university in four years. We'll get into much more of these discussions in our final segment with Arnie Sixkiller-Clark. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. 
Is this the year you finally get serious about your family's drinking water? If so, keep listening for a special offer from Big Berkey Water Filters. Did you know that over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated? Berkey Water Filters distinguish themselves from many other filtration systems with the capability to significantly reduce dangerous chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, and disinfection byproducts from municipal water via the Black Berkey and PF line of filters. Then there's affordability. At only 1.7 cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify treated and untreated water, even stagnant pond water. Stop and think how much money you could save by simply reducing buying bottled water and using water filtered by your Berkey water filter. No need to be constantly replacing expensive filters with a Berkey. A single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. Choose the best size Berkey for your needs at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And right now, all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Just call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Free shipping on every order over $50. Big Berkey Water Filters. For the love of clean water. Preparedness is simple when you have the right stuff. And with the looming threat of economic collapse and possible service interruption, it's time to get the best-in-class preparedness stuff at DisasterStuff.com. DisasterStuff.com has been serving smart preppers for over 15 years with quality products like Berkey water filters. DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. And as always, free shipping on all Berkey products. Stock up on water barrels and accessories. Get Country Living or Wonder Mill grain mills, Excalibur food dehydrators, Tatler reusable canning lids, sun oven solar cookers, EMP bags to protect sensitive electronics, and don't be without your life straw personal water filter, all from DisasterStuff.com. Preparedness is simple, with the right stuff from DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. Alex Jones here with a message that could revolutionize health in this country. Going back about a year and a half ago, I began to learn about the incredible health effects of Longevity products. Aaron Dykes lost 92 pounds. We're going to show you some before and afters. Aaron, break down what happened, your story. I've worked really hard with diet and exercise to try to lose weight, but I just didn't get the results. It just didn't happen. Then I saw what you were doing with InfoWarsTeam.com. I wasn't even trying to lose weight, but I got it because I wanted to feel better energy. I wanted that nutrition. Didn't even understand how that could kickstart my own weight loss goals. But the products did that for me. I found myself suddenly losing weight, more energetic, wanting to exercise, wanting to eat the right foods. And they don't even advertise it as weight loss. I want to challenge our radio listeners to go to InfoWarsTeam.com. Sign up as a distributor and get wholesale pricing discounts at InfoWarsTeam.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Our final segment, 10 minutes or so with Artie Six Killer Clark, writing a book about encounters with star people with Gene and Chris. Chris, you have some more questions, I gather, from our audience. I do, and, and my, my, my prior question, which we forgot to ask uh, at, at the top of the show about her uh, doctoral dissertation, and, and this is from Jimmy H., and he, and he asked, if, if, since you're an ap- academic, uh, he imagines you've been schooled in how to present a solid argument based on scholarly research methods. In your opinion, when it comes to the paranormal and paranormal topics, is it just okay to suspend our disbelief and forgo these academic methods? Uh, in your case, I, I 
almost answer the question for you. You're saying yes, you can, but how does how do we convince the scientific community and the academic community that these are viable subjects that deserve more mainstream academic attention? I guess you know when I set out to write this book, I didn't set out to answer skeptics or critics. I set out to tell a story. And I did it because I was asked by some tribal women to do it. I didn't think in terms of of um, how it would be viewed in terms of scientific evidence. Um, I mean, if we, back when um, people have been hypnotized and they tell us a story, does anyone question that they're they're they are accurate, or that they're just telling a story? I mean, it's really absolutely the same thing. I told the stories that people told to me, whether people want to believe it or they don't want to believe it. If they want to discount it or criticize it, I did what I set out to do, and that's it. And, you know, I, I, people can analyze it all they want. They can, they can discount it. They can criticize it. But I told the stories as they were told to me. That's it. And I, I know this is really difficult. Um, this is really difficult territory to tread upon because, uh, you know, and I've been there. I, I know. <laughs> Boy, if there, I was told some accounts that I really believed, and I got corroboration of these accounts, but in in several cases, I was told not only by the primary witness, but by the supporting witnesses that I actually dug up, that I was not allowed to ever publicly state the details of a particular case, not even allude to the fact that it happened. And uh, to this day, I'm I'm really uh, kind of bummed out because there were some really, you know, wonderful, very believable stories uh, that I was told. Uh, one, actually, that had uh, some physical trace evidence involved that I absolutely been not, uh, I haven't been allowed to, to run with. And, you know, I can feel that uh, you're... In one sense, you're you're in the same boat that that I've been in. When you're asked to honor anonymity, and you agree to do that, you have handcuffs on. But I'm sure you understand, Artie, that that there's going to be a lot of people out there taking pot shots, saying, "Well, anybody can, you know, come up with a bunch of stories with anonymous sources and and kind of folklorish sounding accounts." Uh, someone mentioned to me that read your book that it seems like every time you sit down, uh, it's very similar. The, you know, people order coffee and then you you have another coffee or you have a coke and and, and the accounts on, really seem very home, consistent. The details <laughs> seem very consistent throughout it. Now I've been out there. I've I've interviewed people and I I know what it's like. I mean I interviewed. And the, if you go to a Native American home, the first thing they're going to ask you is, "Would you like a cup of coffee?" Well, Even the let's put it this way. I have people. never drank as much coffee in my life as I drank the six hours I interviewed the head of uh, the Department of Public Safety for the Hickory Apache. I drank, I, I mean, I must have been so, I, I mean, I was grinding my teeth, 
I was wound up. I couldn't sleep for two days. I, I we literally we sat there for six hours drinking coffee, and I I think I've had an aversion to coffee ever since then. To and I'm not joking. Uh, that really was uh, very difficult for me. So I, I well, do I understand that, but, but understand. That, hold on, Artie. You are going to have feel. some detractors out there that are going to say, "Look, you know." This book is just a bunch of of, of stories. Uh, what exactly are you trying to accomplish with putting together all these anonymously, uh, you know, stated stories? Uh, you know, what is your motivation to 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 actually release this book? Why why do you think people have a need to know these stories? I think because number one, they are stories that are told without hypnotism, without dreaming, without channeling. Number two, I think the stories are unique and honest and forthcoming. And that's the reason I wrote the book. You're assuming basically then these people have no motive just to tell a story. They wouldn't well, go they to this father. No, no money from it. There's no advantage. They're not going to be on a speaking circuit someplace. Well, I think, you know, that that some people might be motivated by money, by fame. None of that was part of what I encountered. Now, these particular stories, do they tell them to their friends? Sometimes. But not, uh, it wasn't a common occurrence. Sometimes they shared them with family, and family asked them to not talk about it. Sometimes they, I had a couple occasions where they went to medicine men, and the medicine men said, don't talk about it. Yeah. So, um, so they didn't listen to the doctor. They told it anyway. You're saying the medicine men told them not to me. tell the story. Yeah, I'm, right. <laughs> right. I'm saying the medicine men tell these people, don't talk about this, but they did to you. So as is common among many people, when they talk to their doctors and their doctors give them some level of advice, well, they ignored that advice and they decide to tell you about what had happened to them anyway. Okay, I understand that. Yes, they did. Because they trusted me and they knew that I would never reveal who they were. Fair enough. See, that was the thing that was important to them is that they... That, that, um, they trusted their family, so they could tell their family. They trusted a friend, they could tell their friend. They trusted me, and they told me. So, you know, but when they meant don't talk about it, don't go public with it, don't go out and spread the word, or call up the National Enquirer, or, you know, you or somebody else, you know, just keep it quiet. What do you plan to do next? Uh, more books, more stories to tell? Well, the one I'm working on now is about my travels in in um, uh, the Maya world and the stories that I I was told there. Okay, Sounds there's good. a lot of stories down there too. Oh yeah. Well, have, have you ever been to Lombieto? Where? To Lombieto in Mexico in a Zapotec. Uh, no, I haven't. Actually, that's uh, that's on my short list of places to visit, including uh, uh, also the, the Rio Beck region that's just now really becoming uh, explored and opened up. 
up well, the New River. Rio back. But one of the things, if you ever get to Lambieto, is one of the most interesting places you will ever visit because they have a story down there about a man that came from the sky on a ray and that he stood on this rock in the center of town. And then they go on to tell you that this man, he married a village woman, and he taught the people many, many things, and he was able to perform all of these miraculous things. And they had a son, and when the son married and took a wife, he stepped down from being the leader of the village went back to the center of town, stood on this rock, and a ray from the sky came down and took him away. And he was never seen again. Sounds just like Star Trek, boy. Uh, beam me up, Scotty. I cannot right. do that, Captain. I cannot do that. Okay. You can catch Chris O'Brien at OurStrangePlanet.com. You can catch us at ThePowerCast.com. Arnie Sixkiller Clark, thanks for joining us on The PowerCast. You're sure welcome. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>